G'day guys and girls and welcome to this week's edition of the Extended Bench Podcast. My name's Christian and as always on the other side of the desk is my mate Matt. Matt, how you doing today buddy? I am good, uh, waiting with bated breath to oh. see whether we actually get a season this year and when that season may or may not start. I'm just devastated by a, a 17 round competition just... For oh, a start. I'm okay I mean, with that. Don't get me wrong, it's it's alright. It's much better than the potential zero games that was being spoken about by some people. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, geez, I mean, you know, it, it's something that we as fantasy coaches in particular look forward to every single year. And just to know that we're getting a little bit less of it this year and we don't know exactly when or if. I mean, I assume that it will be postponed at some stage, but we don't know Surely when that's going to happen. Surely it will at some point, but... Yeah, I mean, I I will be happy if we get 17 rounds in this year. I mean, we have to push on, obviously, because there is a lot of keeper, salary cap, draft content to get through in today's podcast. And uh, obviously, with two days until the supposed start of the season, (laughs) we're we're leaving it right to the wire. We will continue today as if the season is kicking off as per usual. Absolutely. And just hope that it is. Yeah, and I assume that it is. I mean, the AFL have come out and said, look, they're wanting to play the first round at the very least and reevaluate after that. And that means we have to be ready for the fantasy season to start. So let's do it then. I want to dive in, but uh, just take a little meander first, because later in the podcast, we're going to be revealing our final salary cap teams heading into the season. (laughs) Final with inverted commas. Yeah, yeah. We've got to put a a little asterisk (laughs) next to that, because obviously uh, rookie... Uh, choices are a potential to change given that we haven't had teams come out just yet Um, I'm very uneasy looking at my structure as well (laughs) but we'll get to that later there's a lot to talk about in terms of our team structures it's going to be wild ride so we'll get to that a little bit later but we want to uh, take you guys as listeners into to something that we tried with, that was a little bit different for AFL drafts on the weekend. So we got together with our usual redraft group. Uh, we do a draft with them every year, have done for the past five years or so. Mm-hmm. And uh, normally it's your standard snake draft and you're looking at, what, some, somewhere around about 250-odd picks? Yeah, generally about that many. Um, but we wanted to change that up a little bit this year. And as avid NFL fantasy players, mm. uh, we've been participating for the past couple of years for NFL in auction drafts. Drafts, yes. which I, I absolutely love this content, concept. Mm. Um, I tried to sell it really hard to the uh, to the commissioner of our league, mm-hmm. um, who's also a big <clears> fan <throat> of the format, and he uh, listened. He listened, and we did it. So we uh, we had an auction draft. So shall we just AFL explain fantasy. that to those playing at home who haven't experienced an auction draft before? So Definitely basically, the idea. concept of it is similar to a. Um, I guess a, a linear draft, everyone has a draft pick. You go through, at your pick, you nominate a player and you nominate a price for them. Now, everyone has the same starting salary cap. Uh, in this case, our salary cap was 200 bucks each. So you would nominate a player and a price for them. And then the auctioning would start. And basically, people just bid until there's only one left. You do a countdown, they get the player. Exactly. Um so basically, yeah, as, a, as a bit of an example, uh, someone who had the very first pick in our draft <laughs> nominated Braden Fiorini for two dollars, yep. just to throw a name out there, just to see what sort of market value we might get for some players. And I think he ended up on your team for seven dollars after bidding it finalized. He, I think it was six. Which, find. Six dollars, which in hindsight was potentially too much it, to pay for him. Well, we'll get to that in a minute because the market value at the time sort of had that being as an incredibly value pick. Yep. That was cheap as chips because some of the next picks that were thrown up, I mean, we were looking at some bigger names being mm-hmm. thrown out there. So, Lockie, I mean, up 
after starting with potentially the biggest name of Fiorini. <laughs> Things kicked over the The goat himself. I mean, we're looking at guys like Lockie Neal, who went for $43, which was a big step up, obviously, from $6. Uh, we're looking at Josh Kelly going for $65. That's, you know, almost a third of a coach's budget right there on one player. Yeah. Um, Jack McRae, $75. Oh, 75 That was a lot. The big one. Brody Grundy for $77. <laughs> who obviously went for the most. Yeah. And... Oh, that's a lot of money. I mean, yeah. that's that's over a third of a commissioner's bu- or of a coach's budget. Yeah, I mean, it was really interesting because you could kind of almost break the auction portion of the draft down into three or four phases. Mm-hmm. There was the initial phase where people were trying to snap up the premiums and they were paying for them, and so your premiums were probably going at around, between forty to sixty bucks each. Then people realised they were quickly running out of money, and it shifted, <laughs> and you were getting. Still good players, but you were getting them much, much cheaper, like $20, $20-$30 for that next tier down, and then people really ran out of money towards the end, and you got some absolute steals. You really did. People so- that hadn't been nominated yet, that maybe people were sliding on, trying to wait until no one else had any money and they could jump in and bully someone late, uh, and you were getting some absolute guns for less than 10 bucks. Mm. So it was really interesting to see how the market price adjusted throughout the course of the uh, the auction draft itself. So something that seemed overpriced early, um, or actually probably the other way around, something that seemed cheap early actually turned out to be quite overpriced if you looked at it to- with the prices towards the back end of the draft. And with this style of draft, you almost have to look at the market at the time as well because it's really hard to say. So as another example, uh, in my team in particular, uh, one of my uh, more expensive players was Clayton Oliver. Uh, paid fifty dollars for him, yep. which at the time there was the market for that. So people were yes. bidding upwards of you know forty, forty-five dollars, and there was still a competition there. The appetite was there for that kind of money for Clayton Oliver. However, later in the draft, as another example, <laughs> I ended up with uh, who did I end up with? Um, Christian <laughs> Salem for five dollars, who I think is going to be. A just cutting into the top 10 of defenders this year. He's probably going to be about the 10th to 12th best defender in fantasy this year. I got him for a tenth of the price of Clayton Oliver. I think you sniped him off me as well, didn't you? I had the odd feeling I did. You had about four bucks left. I nominated him and you (laughs) you, um, outbid me. Um, But, you know, things like that. It's those kind of bargains which, while yes, at the end of the draft you can look at it and say, how did you end up with that? At the start of the draft, there's a market appetite out there for higher prices. So um, you really have to go through at least one or two of these drafts with the same group of friends to really get a gauge for how what kind of values to put on these players. And it will be very variable from draft to draft, from group to group. Um, And it really makes the whole thing very dynamic. Mm. And in particular, you can see different strategies at play. We had one guy in our draft who went hard early and picked up some really good players early. Um, Bont, Lockie Whitfield, Dusty Martin. But he used up three quarters of his budget doing that. He used up $165 picking up those three players and then had no money left over. So it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out for him, whether those three guys can actually carry him or whether the lack of depth uh, is going to come back and bite him later. Exactly. You had other players, um, other people who didn't spend money early. They sat back and watched saved their dollars, and then towards the end, they were able to come in and just muscle everyone out and they grab got, the players they wanted. They got some real bargains, didn't but they? But they miss out on those Uber premiums. Mm, so. Um, so it's really a very dynamic and 
interesting uh, draft format to work through, which we'd highly recommend to, to anyone interested in giving it a go. It requires a bit more customization from your commissioner, and it does require that little bit of extra preparation as well with the spreadsheets that you'll probably have to go through and make yourself. Mm-hmm. But I can honestly say it, that is one of the most fun AFL drafts I've ever been to. It was absolutely incredible. Just the, the diff, watching the different tactics of some coaches out there, um, trying to get a feel for whether they were bidding early, trying to get those primos, whether they were saving their cash. Yeah. Uh, just as another quick example, Brody, a friend of the podcast who's a regular contributor, um, he saved a lot of his money on the back end and ended up with guys like Rory Sloan for $9.00. Jared Lyons for ten dollars, you know, picking up Ollie Wines for just three bucks at the back end as well. Yeah, it's just some real bargains. Oh, seven dollars for Jacob Hopper, who I think is going to average a hundred this year. You know, guys like that, it's just mind-boggling. Lockie Weller as a defender, three dollars at the back end. <laughs> there were so many bargains to be had if you had some cash left over, but did you miss out on the big guys? Yes, and that is the question. And even during the actual <laughs> auctioning itself, you can see different strategies come in. Some people went hard early, so bidding would be around the ten, eleven, twelve dollars, and someone will come in and go twenty-five just to <laughs> to smash everyone out of the water. And, and they go, oh well, if he's going to go that straight up, do we really want to get into a bidding war with him? Whereas you see other people sit back and listen, let the, the auction get down towards the very end. Someone thinks they've got it, and then they add one extra dollar on the end just to break <laughs> someone's spirit. It's so, so good. You've got it. And honestly, it is the best draft I've been to for AFL Fantasy, and we recommend it next year in particular. Obviously, it's a little bit late, and we really wanted to try it out first and see, see what it was, it was like. like. And I guess a lesson learned for us is we only did the auction part for the first half of the draft, so the really relevant top-end players... Um, so I think we did, uh, we had what, 12 people? 120 players were picked. 120 players auctioned, and then after that we just reverted to a standard snake draft to finish it off, uh, and even that took quite a long time. So it is a time-consuming process, but really, really enjoyable. But definitely worthwhile. So um, so make sure to keep that in mind for your 2021 drafts, and uh, and what we're going to do now, I want to jump... And, and I guess bef- before we jump on, if mm. anyone is interested in hearing more about the draft, how it went, um, how the format works, feel free to reach out and um, ask us questions and we'll, we'll tell you everything that we know. I think I'm going to post over the next couple of days some of the teams that we ended up with in the draft just to... to give people an idea of how much money was spent on these players mm. and uh, and let you know what sort of teams we ended up with because I can honestly tell you they are vastly different to anything you would end up with in a standard snake, linear or bonsai draft. Absolutely. I mean, I guess the benefit too of every player being available to you. Mm. So if someone else puts a player up that you want, you can bid on them. Absolutely. You're, you're, not, lim- you're not limited to just sit back and watch them get taken like you would in a snake or linear draft. Yeah. Um, question without notice, who was your favourite pickup in your own team? My favourite pickup in my own team? Jeez, um, that is a, a definitely a question without notice. I quite liked Jordan Degoe for $2, to be honest. Um, <laughs> yep. Right at the back end when I'd kept just a little bit of money, I kept $20 in my back pocket. Um, and I think that's a pretty good pick. And I think Zach Williams for 28, I think, is, is going to be a decent pick where whereabouts I got him. So mm-hmm. just as an example, you know, uh, Zach Williams was $28. Rory Laird was at the same time going for $45. And that was yeah. when the market had that appetite up. So I think those two are going to score very similarly this year. Yeah, I myself. like it. And yourself? Uh, I quite liked getting Elliot Yo for 28 bucks. That was a good get at the time. At the time as well. Um, other similar players had been going for... 30, 40 odd mm-hmm. bucks. 
Um, and I also liked, um, I managed to get Tim Taranto for $1 after I traded a dollar to get him <laughs> off someone else who had paid a little bit more for him. And uh, Tim Taranto, by the looks of it, obviously, if there is a postponement of the season, or a could, delay. A, yeah. could only miss, you know, one to, th- or maybe well, a, a we, month we don't the know, real season. But he might actually be useful for this year. So I was quite happy with that one too. Could be very interesting to see. So uh, after after going through all the auction stuff, Let's get straight into the salary cap because I'm dying to go through our teams together. I really need to know what sort of players you've picked because honestly, with everything that's been going on, I'm not sure what kind of structure to look at in my team. I've, yeah. I've, in the past, I've really tried to limit the amount of mid-prices in particular that I have in my team because mm-hmm. you want as many rookies as you can because those are the ones that are going to make you cash. Mm-hmm. You want those mid-prices that you know are going to perform well because obviously they will put scores on the field okay. while they're you look at money. the breakout ones the one mm. or the ones where there's a lot of value obviously so they might have underperformed last year they might have had an injury interrupted year yep. um, they might have changed clubs and you think they can break out a little bit those are the only real mid prices I look at each year yeah um, agreed and then obviously your primos to hold the team together and really form the core of your scoring mm-hmm. uh, so I but this year I've really tried to take a different approach because with a 17 round season mm-hmm there's less time for rookies to put that cash together. Yes. So there is significantly less time for them to gain enough cash for them to be valuable to you, mm-hmm. given the scores that they will be putting on your field. So Agreed. you will want, you just won't be competitive for that shorter amount of time against other teams who have more mid-prices on the board. Yeah. My concern, too, is the talk <laughs> of um, the game length being shortened to, mm. to try and squeeze more games in together, reduce the toll on the player's body so they can back up quicker. If we do see that eventuating, then the primo players are going to have less time to actually score their points, which will, I think, result in a lot of price drops. Mm. So you may be able to get... So obviously, it's all relative. So the rookies will score less, the mid-prices will score less, the primos will score less in that scenario. But... The primos scoring less will drop their price more than anyone else, allowing us to pick them up later on once they've bottomed out. So I can definitely see a a strategy this year where you're not actually paying big bucks for those top-tier players at each line. I had Whitfield and Grundy in my team the entire preseason, Mm -hmm. and today I took them out to free up cash, bring in some cheaper players who might not drop as much price but are still going to score a lot in the premium slot and use that cash to upgrade a couple of rookies who I was already really wavering on. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. And although I haven't taken a couple of those players out that you just talked about, I have readjusted the the entire format of my team to try and keep some points on the field without going too premium heavy Mm -hmm. and too rookie heavy as well. I think that's the the tactic that most coaches are going to have to to play going forward. I mean... I mean, it, we're looking at the moment like it's going to be a. Well, it's been a pretty shitty year already, and oh. it's going to. It's probably going to be pretty shitty from a footy perspective moving forward. Obviously, that's not the end of the world. There's bigger issues at stake. Of course. But for the sake of this podcast, it looks like the fantasy footy is going to be a little bit interrupted and shitty this year. Um, but from that advers- adversity, it's going to be really interesting to see what strategies a bit different this year might actually carry people to um, better outcomes. It's going to be a very different uh, very different style this year. And it's you'd say it's just going to be a one-off. So Because yes. 
Uh, next year, hopefully, we'll be back to the full season. Things will be back to normal. You want more rookies. You want more premiums in your side. But this year... Actually, I just thought, do you reckon if uh, player prices next year, do you reckon they'll be discounted as a result of well, I think coronavirus? Well, I think everyone's going to even out. So although, yes, they're going to be discounted mm. really in uh, just pure through pure statistics, I mean, every, it'll be everyone, everyone yeah. will be uh, leveled out. And I think they'll probably just take the total salary cap down a bit next year. Yeah, so Because usually costs... they try and... The salary cap usually is tied to the salary cap of the actual AFL in some way. So I don't know if they would drop it. Well, maybe if they do that, then I assume that they would up the prices of the players. So try and mm. make up for that variance there. Because otherwise, you're going to be able to have too many of the top premiums in your yeah, side be interesting. Next year. All right, anyway, we'll move on. We'll move on. All right, so we're going to get straight in. We're going to break this down line by line and say exactly who we've got selected in our team at the moment. Yep. So This is going to be interesting. All right, and we have... I'm not- expecting a lot of... Um, a lot of uh, hate for some of these picks. I think that, honestly, we will have very similar teams. It's going right. to be very interesting to see. Um, shall, shall we go through line by line? We have not discussed this prior. I don't no, know. no. Like, this, no. Is, this is all right. off the fly. Um, do you want to do your backline first or me? Uh, I'll do my backline first. Right, okay. Go for it. So, on the field, in my backline, I have Brody Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, you feel free to say if you've got them as well. Uh, I do. You do? I've got Dan Houston. I do. Sam Doherty. I do. <laughs> I hope the bats say you better. Uh, I've got Dylan Robertson. Uh, I do. Lockie Ash. I do. Jared Brander. That's my field. Uh, I do not have Brander on the field. Okay. And um, my uh, my two bench players are Bailey Williams and Brandon Starsevich. Interesting. Of yeah. course, rookies always are eligible for changes depending on who is named. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and who was your last? Your second last guy was Bailey Williams. That's right. Bailey Williams. No, no, sorry, on your field. On my field was Lockie Ash, That's second right. last. Um, obviously, I think he's going to get games, no question. At the start, I think he's mm. he's sort of carved out a little niche there. And I don't think... Because the other issue that we've got to talk about is if, say, for example, they play this weekend or play two rounds even and then have a one-month, maybe one-and-a-half-month postponement of the rest of the AFL season... Mm. Are some of these rookies going to be affected by that? You know, is their spot in the best 22 going to be perhaps more up for grabs considering the break? Or will they have cemented it? You know, is your yeah, spot in the very best 22 true. cemented just based on your last game a month ago? You know what I mean? That's a very good point. I um, I don't know. Well, maybe, maybe Lockie Ash, you know, he plays a game, for example, in the first round. Um, there's a month break, but Isaac Cumming has been training the house down for that month. Does Lockie Ash have a guaranteed spot in the side still because he played in the game, the AFL game prior? Or does Isaac Cumming have the opportunity to prove himself over that whole month? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you'd think that they would give some sort of advantage to the guys who had played last. But yeah, it might come down to who's been training better over that period. I mean, it's not like someone's going to be informed from games a month ago. Yeah. So... Very good question. Very and I think it just adds even more <coughs> uncertainty to those rookies and those fringe mid-prices. Yep. Um, so you're looking... It makes job security and best 22 even more important. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so that was my lineup, And you had a pretty similar yeah, lineup. Yeah, so I mean, obviously. I've also got Brody Smith. Uh, I think that uh, his average of 87 last year, I think he if he plays midfield on that wing, he can smash that and make a bit of money. I think uh, he's going I like. up, if he's playing on the wing, if he's playing in the midfield in particular, I think he's pushing that average up to 
low to mid 90s yeah, uh, maybe close to 94 95 which yep. means that he's pretty much a top 6 defender this year yeah I agree I expect him to be top 6 end so of the year. you can just lock him in now while he's that little bit cheaper and he's your lock and leave yep, he's- absolutely uh, Dan Houston is the the hype man of the mm. preseason so he's a no brainer I'm not even going to talk about him <laughs> uh, Sam Doherty likewise what we saw in the the uh, Marsh series was great. I've got no issues starting him on the field. I think he'll score well. He'll make money. Everything you want. 563k is just too cheap to ignore. Exactly. Likewise, Dylan Robertson, no surprises there. Lockie Ash, I like as a rookie who I think does have good job security and will start the year. Uh, if he isn't, then at least with the fact that he's 264, then we've got a bit of um, money that we can throw to find a different rookie. So... Um, the difference for me, so you had Jared Brander on your field. Mm-hmm. I've got James Aish. Yes, yeah. So you've got James Aish. So that's one extra mid-pricer than you in defense. Very interesting. Now, this is one spot where I will go. What's your argument for James Aish? Uh, basically that I freed up a bit of cash from downgrading <laughs> Brody Grundy earlier, and I used it to change up, who was it that I had? I think I might have had Zerk Thatcher there, and I turned him into Lockyer, into James H, just because he's going to score way better. I liked what I saw from his role in the Frio midfield. Even if he plays off half-back for Frio, I think he's going to get a lot of the ball. He's one of the coach's favourites, and I think he's going to go up in price a fair bit. He's, um, what is he currently, 496,000, averaged 67 last year. I can't see him scoring less than 80 for the year if he keeps his spot in the Frio side. Okay. So uh, there's value to be made. Not too bad. Yeah, there is value to be had there for James Ash. I think, for me, that even though we've spoken about having as many mid-prices as you can hmm. in one uh, one position, that five true mid-prices is probably that one too many uh, for me. I think that um, if there is another rookie playing... So this is... If Brandon mm-hmm. Stasevich is named... I will pick him to free up some cash elsewhere. If he is not named, then I might free up some cash elsewhere to upgrade to someone like an Ash. Because yeah, I mean, pre the Marsh series, I did have both Gould and Young in that back line. But the fact that neither of them <clears throat> seem assured of a round one starting berth means I've had to be a little bit more creative. Mm-hmm. My current bench rookies are Bailey Williams and Fisher Mackesy. And I don't want either one of them on the field. <laughs> no, no. And, and Starsevich, I'm not convinced of what his job security is going to be like, what his role is going to be like if he plays. So I would rather spend a little bit more and put Ace in and have a bit more security in terms of what I think he's going to score. Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. It'll and your other guy, Brander, I actually do have in my forward line. Yeah, it, it, it will be very interesting to see where some of that money has come from to, to, in order to do that. Yeah. Uh, because obviously that's the trade-off you're making. If you've got too many mid-prices, you are taking out premiums, uh, <coughs> and you're spreading the you spread the load very thin. So if they don't reduce game times, which I don't think will happen, <coughs> even if they try and get games a little bit closer together, I think they'll use more of the time over the year. So uh, Gil came out and said yesterday that they can use up to the 40 weeks if they have to. I think that something closer to that will be worked out. I don't think there'll be a change to the game structure itself. Um, yeah, I don't know. There will, and, and if there's a squeezing in, um, it will be something more akin to, say, for example, more uh, you know Tuesday night and Wednesday night games and maybe one day less break. 
Um, yeah, I just think that the... Um, I mean, we already team, see teams struggle with the six-day break rather than the seven-day break. But that's with a 22-game season. That's very, very <clears throat> oh, different. That's five extra games is a lot. It a is, lot of, but um, bear in uh, mind too, to Dangerfield for years has been advocating for shorter games and less games. And he is the head of the AFLPA. Yeah, but the head of the AFLPA doesn't ref- reflect all of the AFLPA. Uh, Danger, no, Dangerfield no, in particular, we, I mean, everybody has their, their individual take on this, but mm. I am... It, yeah, it does seem but odd the, to ask for more money, the, less games, all less All game of the time. changes that they're going to have to do this year are going to rely on the players agreeing to them. And I think he's going to have a lot of weight in that conversation. I, that's true. Don't get... Oh, absolutely, he's going to have a lot of weight in that in that discussion. But I feel that... In particular, broadcasts. <clears throat> so they're going to have to make up their money somewhere, the AFL, particularly yeah, if they're point. losing out on crowds. That's a fair and point. And if you're broadcasting a shorter version of the game, yes, you're going to get some of that money back, but I can't see TV stations being particularly happy about it. And that's almost more weightful than Patrick Dangerfield for oh, me. Oh, I don't know. Danger's Oof. got a lot of weight. It's, it's tough. That, anyway, I think, broadcast I think we've gone off on a tangent. So we'll go on to <laughs> anyone else you want to talk defence there? No, not not particularly. What, what are you Obvi- thinking on um, Bailey Williams? I'm assuming we both have the um, the Eagles version. Yeah, so we, we <clears> both <throat> have the the Eagles version. I think that at the moment the Eagles need a genuine forward option that can play in the ruck. Vardy just looks completely out of sorts at the minute and doesn't yeah. look AFL quality. Hickey is a ruckman, and yep. if you play Hickey and Nick Nat in the same side, not doesn't work. It doesn't work, and your team just gets incredibly unbalanced. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, I think Bailey Williams is a genuine option that can come in, has X factor versatility as a third tall target in the forward line, and can play some ruck minutes, enough ruck minutes as well to take some of the load off of Nick Nat. So he could legitimately play 40% ruck time as opposed to, say, for example, you know, your uh, your Ben Brown <laughs> chopping out for Todd Goldstein, who yep. he might do 15% ruck time oh, I reckon he'd like be that. lucky to do 15. I reckon yeah, he'd like 5 10%. or 10. Yeah. Um, or a Mason Cox doing 10% of Grundy's ruck load. You know, yeah. that's that's a true forward just helping out. But yeah. Nick Nat needs a genuine ruck forward yeah, who can I agree. do both. I agree. I agree with all of that. And so I think that that'll be enough to give him a chance in the side for the first few rounds at least. Fair enough. Um, should we move on to the midfield? Let's do it. You want me to do mine first? Yep, you do yours. Please. All right, so I have, uh, in no particular order, Devin Smith. In the midfield? Yeah, I know. You are a man. Oh, my God. I'm not even going to let you go on. What are you doing? <laughs> He's a new addition today, so I'm not fully sold on that. But I couldn't get anyone. I didn't. I was just short of getting anyone better. Oh, sweet Jesus! Continue, and please. I, my thinking is, if any of the multitude of uh, mid prices I've got in my forward line don't work, I'll chop them, and Smith can jump into that position up forward. You, you couldn't just chop them for Devin Smith and not no, because I, Devin? at the moment I'm confident that there's value there. Okay, so right. I know it's a bit unorthodox, but and ideally I'd love to have a better midfielder there. But at the moment, uh, there's a reason my team is called Matt Smith Price Madness. Oh my Jesus! Um, okay, continue. I'm sorry to interrupt. <laughs> no problem. Uh, Tom Mitchell, number two, um, pretty obvious one. Um, Stephen Canelio, <laughs> number three. Uh-huh. Uh, this is another one that you're not going to like. I have Andrew Brayshaw in my midfield. I do too. Really? All right. Yes. I was yes. expecting a bit more fight back on that no, one. No, yes. Yes, Well, I we'll do. move on and we'll discuss we'll, him when yeah. we get to your team. Um, Elliot Yo. Mm. 
Marlion Pickett, Maddie Rowell, and Jackson Hately to round me out. And then on the bench, I have... Uh, where are they? <coughs> Ned McHenry, who I'm not necessarily convinced is actually going to be a round one starter, so he's a good chance to change. And Connor Buderick. Nice. I like it. Yep, yep. Good options there. Um, so just uh, before we dive into these, I'll give you mine. Mm-hmm. So, And this, I think, is the big difference with us. I've got some premiums in my midfield. Hey, which... I got one, two. <laughs> um, okay, so I've got five guys that I would genuinely consider premiums. However, they are on the cheaper side of premiums. Mm-hmm. As I, I've gone away from the McCrays, I've gone away from the Josh Kellys. Um, the most expensive player I have at the moment, and this guy is a dead set lock for me at 820, is Andrew Gaff. And I well, I can hear any argument I want, but I do not see Andrew Gaff argue, uh, averaging below 108 this year, and I think he might go upwards from there. Um, yeah, I would have loved to have had Gaff. I just couldn't afford him, yeah, basically. Honestly, I think his role is back to perfectly suiting what he does best. He is going to be playing on a wing. He is going to be getting zero attention because they have to pay attention to Tim Kelly. You have to look after Luke Shuey. Yep. You can't leave those guys to run free. Andrew Gaff, he doesn't hurt you anywhere near as much, but he racks up the ball and he gets marks. Yeah, I agree. Um, Pretty much that's my exact reasoning for Yo, except he's I love the different Yo-Pick role, as well. different role. But yeah, my same reasoning. Love for the Yo-Pick. Yo-Pick. If you want to save a little bit of money over Gaff, I don't mind going Yo instead. He, could, yep. I think Gaff is going to be in the top four midfielders this year, mm-hmm. maybe top five. Uh, but Yo could be one of those guys that sneaks in as that eighth, ninth, tenth sort of midfielder. Yep, agreed. Um, Bontempelli, I've got in my midfield at seven hundred and seventy-seven k. Mm. I think what I've seen in the preseason is just gold and he just looks ready to monster this entire season yeah I think he looks like that pretty much <clears throat> every preseason and then always ends up finding his way to the forward line or just not quite delivering because he's that quality over quantity guy I, so he's he's not on my never again list but he's definitely on the think two or three times before you actually stick him in your team Matt list I think that <laughs> yeah, that's a good list uh, I have a lot of people on that list yeah um, I think that this is the the year Considering the amount of forwards that they have, considering the amount of options that they've got at that half-forward level, that Luke Beveridge can't anymore make the argument that Bontepelli serves them better in the forward line. Uh, How little you know Beveridge. Honestly, if Beveridge does that, I don't see him keeping his job beyond this year because he does so much for them in the midfield and he gets that ball into the forward line. He can provide so much more in the guts than he can up forward. So, counter-argument, granted he's their best midfielder, he's got the most X-factor, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. They are well-stocked in the midfield as well, which allows him to be flexible and play... He'll As play, an X factor in the forward line. He'll play some time forward. Don't get me like wrong. McRae, Dunkley, Lipinski, Hunter, uh, Liber and Wallace. Once they're both fitting back in, mm-hmm. Bailey Smith. Who else am I forgetting? Um, there'd be some other guys. There, there are as some well other guys. Who, McLean runs through there. Yeah, you know, yeah. um, uh, Lipinski. Um, I, I think you I might mention Lipinski. Lipinski. They're, uh, they're well stocked. Like they don't need Bont to be in the midfield a hundred percent of the time. And if they can split his time up a little bit, then it probably makes them a bit more unpredictable and a bit harder to shut him down because he can rove around and lose opponents. Mm-hmm. So uh, I agree. I think his best position is midfield, but I think they've got the flexibility to you 
to play him the way Beveridge likes to play his teams, which is guys being dynamic and changing positions throughout the game. Mm-hmm. I hear you 100%, and I love the argument, but at the same time, I think that uh, what you're sort of thinking of is almost a Dusty Martin split. Would you say that's, uh, that's Yeah, correct? probably, yeah. So, which is basically a almost 55-45 split between mid and forward. Yeah, probably. I think that that's probably going to be closer to a 75-25 split. So, of his time on ground, 25% of that will be in the forward line resting mostly and mm. you know participating while he's up there and 75% in the midfield because honestly I would rather play Bont in the midfield he's the one that's actually going to get it out of packs while McRae is a very very good player mm-hmm. he's much better receiving that first handball yep. um, uh, Dunkley is probably as good in and under um, as you know most other players going around. He can't do it alone, though. Bailey Mm. Smith is still developing and has the ability to play in the forward line. I'd rather play him as a high half forward in his second year to give him more experience. Um, Lipinski, honestly, just play him on a wing. If you're (laughs) you're taking Bont out of the midfield to play Lipinski in there, you're going to get smashed in a lot of games. Um, Yeah, and other guys, McLean, I think his role is much better as a forward this year. Um, They've got... What do you think, Libba? Sam Boyd in there. When he comes back from injury. Um, Might not be best 22. Hmm. Um, okay. I legitimately think the Libba might not be best 22. Um, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting argument because you can't load your team with that many style, that many types of player, particularly one that's not quick. They've got yeah. a few players who aren't quick. They've got the Dunkleys, they've got the Lipinskis, they've got the, the McRae's. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll move on, but I, I do really like the look of Bond this year. Um, oh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out yeah. anyway. Canelio, uh, yep. we both have Canelio in there. Uh, I've got Paddy Cripps in my side. As I well. did until the other day. I really like Cripps this year. So do I. Um, I think really that he's got like. a lot of room for expansion. I think Sam Walsh coming on and being very uh, prevalent to the rest of the competition mm-hmm. means that they have to pay a little bit more attention to him. Yep. Um, Mark Murphy obviously getting older, but he'll yep. still provide some support. And I think, again, like Bontempelli, this could be the year that he just monsters the whole competition. This could be his Brownlow year of Crips. Yeah, I, I agree. It absolutely could be. And he started last year on fire. So I had him in my team most of the preseason on the basis that I expect he will start the year on fire. Mm-hmm. The question is whether he has to carry too much of the load like the last few years and he drops away in the second half of the year. Yeah. If I see signs of that happening, I'd be moving him on because he will have peaked in price from that good start. I would too. So um, I think it's a I think it's a win-win. I don't think you can really lose starting him mm-hmm. with the year. The question is going to be whether there's going to be enough support with the rest of Colton to actually allow him to not burn out midway through the year. I agree. I a a shortened season and a break during the middle may actually help him, if I, that's what eventuates. I think he's cheap enough at the moment at the start of the season as well that you can yeah. justify his pick. So 750-odd K, um, he could be easily going up to 50, 60, 70 K more so expensive. if I had, I think I am about 5 or 10 grand off switching Devin Smith to him. And that's probably what I'm going to try and find a way to do over the next couple of days. I'd definitely be doing because that. Because that, that's Crips is who I want, but can't quite reach so I'll need to shift some stuff around to make that happen um, okay so I've got Tom Mitchell as well obviously yep. and those are my five guys that I would consider premium in there so Gaff Bontempelli Cornelio Cripps and Tom Mitchell and I think I'll be making a lot of points and getting a, a little bit of a head start on the rest of the competition that yeah. way so I've got three similar if you sort of put Yo in for one of them and mm-hmm. if I can change Smith into Cripps then I'll be full for your five yeah um, who else you got Andy Brayshaw we just mentioned talk yeah. about him for a second so <laughs> Uh, we 
uh, you'll probably understand why I don't have him in my forward line in just a minute, because I yeah. do think there are legitimate forward uh, rookies that actually have the ability to play regularly and make you some points. Mm-hmm. Um, whether It's not going to be a lot of points, but that's where I feel some of the better rookies are at the start of the year at the moment as we're looking at it. Um, the midfield, while it does have some really good-looking guys... Um, not all of them are going to play regularly. Yeah, I think over the course of the year, there are better <laughs> midfield rookies, but I'm not convinced they're all going to start the year. Yeah. Um, and you may have a couple of weeks grace, assuming the season goes that way. You may have a couple of weeks grace to actually figure out which ones you need to be jumping on early. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I kind of agree. I think Brayshaw is going to... I mean, he's been the other hype boy of the season. Mm-hmm. Everyone's been talking about him. Yeah. We're fully expecting with more midfield time this year, he's going to break out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just really wanted him in my team. I couldn't fit him into my forward line due to more um, mid-prices. <laughs> <coughs> so I had to fit him in somewhere, and it was in the midfield. Um, but I do like the flexibility allows me to sort of flick him around if I need. Yeah, and I 100% agree with that. So I actually made the argument yesterday that I wasn't starting Andrew Brayshaw. I was all pumped for our argument about yeah. it as well. But... And I, I went home, and I took on board some of the uh, some of the advice from yourself, from Brody, uh, when we after we had done the auction draft. I had a look at the numbers, and I had to look past uh, my general not hatred of Frio players from a fantasy <laughs> point of view, um, and realise that he is priced at an average of sixty nine point five, and he's going to be played in the guts. This yeah. is his. You have if to. If any have year is going to be his breakout year, it's going to be this year. He has the ability to average eighty five from a sixty nine point five average. Yep. That's going to make you a ton of cash and get you good scores on the field at the same time. Yeah, you have to start him. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm right. on board with that. My last two players on the uh, the I'm midfield you have Raul. on the field, I have Raoul, mm-hmm. and at the moment I have Marlon Pickett. Mm, alrighty, <clears throat> my uh, on my field. So, who are your bench guys? My bench guys are Caleb Sarong and Noah Anderson. Yeah, alrighty. The interesting thing for me here is why have I got expensive guys on the bench? Yes. Um, The legitimate reason for that is I believe Marlon Pickett will score better than them. I agree. Uh, Matt Matt Rowell, obviously, as well. Mm -hmm. However, I think Caleb Sarong and Noah Anderson will get extremely regular games, and I've paid a a premium for that. Uh, So I paid a little (laughs) bit extra to make sure that my rookies are definitely playing. They're ticking over. They're going to be making money, and I'm happy to do that and save a little bit of cash elsewhere. Uh, Yep, I understand that. Sarong... All right, I'll go Anderson first. I agree he is going to play every game that he is fit for this mm-hmm. year. My concern is I think he's going to play off a half-forward flank. I don't think he's going to get enough of the ball to really score well. And at that price, even though you've got job security, I just I think he's going to be one of those real slow-burn rookies who I'm not convinced I want to carry this year in particular. Mm-hmm. So I, that's why I don't have him. I had him earlier today and ditched him. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can definitely agree with that. I agree he's going to play in the half-forward flank. I think he'll do well enough to keep ticking over and make you enough cash because, again, it might literally be that there's only a few rookies that jump up this year given what yeah. we have to start the year and what we don't know about the season. Yeah. So I'd rather have a little bit more reliability and consistency. Yeah. Um, Caleb Sarong... I ditched him a couple of weeks ago because I'm not convinced he's going to be around one day debutant. Mm-hmm. I think early in the season, but I'm not necessarily sure if it'll be round one or not. If it is round one, I am interested in him. 
that he's probably going to have a similar argument to Anderson where I think he'll probably play primarily forward and off the bench, and I don't know how much ball he's going to get. And, and again, this is all asterisks, because yeah. with rookies, I, I I think that they're going to play regularly. I think they're going to play... I think Caleb Strong's going to play round one. I think that um, he's I think done well enough to do once he gets that. into the team, he will stay there for a, a long time, but I'm not sure if they can fit him in round one. Yeah. Um, I hope they do. As yeah. a Frio fan, I really hope they do. I want to see him. Um, see, I'm I'm not sure um, McHenry plays round one. I don't think he does either, so but that, he's an asterisk for me. I'm going to need to switch him for someone else mm. at some point, but um, it's, it's I don't... He's malleable. just a place filler at the moment mm-hmm. for me. Um, Hately. What do you think of Hately? I, because that's the guy who I might ditch for an Anderson or Sarong to free up some cash mm-hmm. To upgrade Devin Smith to um, Crips for me. Very interested in Haley. Um, he yeah. costs that little bit more, so, so he's, he's what, 400... 456. 456. Averaged 67.6 last year, but I think, I think we both think, he's the guy that takes Tim Taranto's <coughs> role early in the season, mm-hmm. or at least gets first crack at it, and will score well and increase in price. The question is, I don't know if it'll be enough to be worthwhile starting with him, and that's what I'm really tossing up myself at the moment. I'm, I'm not sure because honestly, uh, I, I can say sit here and say, look, I can't see him averaging. You know, he might average about eighty to eighty-three, something like that, and that doesn't sound like much. But I just made the argument for Andrew Brayshaw, who actually who's costs five, more. six, who costs more, that he could average eighty-five, yes. and he is a must-have. So by that logic. Hately is much more of a must-have. However, the only yeah. thing holding me back from that is the fact that Andy Brayshaw is locked into their best he's, 22. Gonna, he, and he's going to be one of their prime movers in the midfield. Hately won't be. Hately, while don't get me wrong, I think he deserves a spot in the best 22. I'm one mm-hmm. of his biggest fans. Yeah. Um, it's just this absolute excess of midfielders that GWS have yep. which you know maybe Haley goes out for a couple of weeks and Tom Green comes in and plays so some games I think Callum he, Ward I think he stays best 22 I'm confident that Haley is best 22 to start the year and he stays best 22 mm-hmm. for me it's <coughs> the difference is Brayshaw will be attending virtually every centre bounce Haley probably won't be because of those other good midfielders they've got so while he'll be best 22 the midfield minutes may not be there, mm. which I think will slow his cash progression. And and really, is there gonna is it going to be worthwhile starting him? So that's what I need to figure out in the next couple of days. But he's probably the guy who's most at risk of leaving my team to free up cash. Definitely a very interesting one. Um, okay, we'll move on to the ruck line. So you mentioned that you don't have Brody Grundy. Yeah, I moved him on today, and I still don't feel good about it. So it may not remain. Yeah. But um, I've... my ruck line is going to be... A talking point, I think. Okay, well, my rock line's not much better, I don't think, apart from the fact that I do have Brody Grundy because I want to chuck the captaincy right on him. Um, he's playing Tim English in round one, and don't get me wrong, Tim English is going to be better this year, but he just monstered the kid last year yeah. to ridiculous <clears throat> scores. And I know I've heard some people saying he's never gotten 100 in the first round. Well, I don't think he's played Tim English in round <laughs> one either. And yeah. he is going to go beast in this first round. I'm just going to chuck the C on him. And it's going to be all. Don't even think about it. Um, So I've got Grundy. Second player on my field is Naismith, which Mm. don't feel great about. Originally, I had Jacobs, but this is where I saved some cash. So I got 300k by going down to Sam Naismith. Um, And then I've just got Cherry on on the field. Tristan Cherry. Um, And yeah, that's my rock rock line. Alrighty, so I have um, Riley O'Brien. 
as my starting ruck. Interesting. On the basis... So, Grundy turned into him to free up a couple of hundred grand, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On the basis that I'm expecting O'Brien still has a little bit of growth in him. Mm-hmm. Or, at worst case scenario, if the games are shortened, he probably plateaus and stays about the same. Still scores well. In that scenario, I think Grundy may drop a little bit in price, and Gorn probably drops a little bit in price, and I can hopefully step my way up to them. Okay. My R2 is Jacobs, because I like the role at um, Gold Coast. And then I've got I've actually got Naismith as my bench guy. So you spent a little bit more for the bench. A little bit more for the bench, but I'm viewing him as an overpriced rookie. Mm-hmm. At 284k, he's what is it, 30, 40 grand more than Rao. Mm-hmm. So he's effectively rookie priced, but a bit more expensive. And I think he's going to have the number one ruck roll at Swans, and I think he's going to make a lot of money there. And I'm expecting that partway through the season. I'll cull him for a bit of cash and bring a cherry or someone in. Yeah, interesting one. Yeah, I like that one. So it's a cash generation strategy in lieu of some of the other rookies who I'm not too sure on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like it. I really like that one. Um, Okay, so we won't spend too much time talking about the ruck line because I I don't think we particularly need to. It's just whether or not you want to save a lot of money there and do exactly what Matt's done or whether you want to maybe have one of Grundy or Gorn starting in your side and then save a little bit of money with the second guy. You know, you could definitely go... Like, as early as this this morning, I had Grundy and Jacobs as my ruck line. It was eating up a lot of cash, but that was the one I felt most comfortable with. Um, However, that would be, you know, I think best for a standard season. We're going to have to deal with something a little bit different in 2020. Um, okay, so we'll get uh, into the forward line. Are you happy for me to reveal mine first? I uh, absolutely am. All right, so I've got Devin Smith in the forward line where he bloody well should be bad. <laughs> um, and I'll, I'll go through the list and uh, we can get to uh, t- discussing them in a moment. But I've got Devin Smith. Uh, I've got the Swans' Jordan Dawson in mm-hmm. my side. Mm-hmm. I've got Hugh Greenwood, uh, Christian Petrarca, Ben Davis and Curtis Taylor just sitting there as uh, as rookie price players, and then I've got uh, Maxi King on the bench with uh, with Sam Sturt sitting on there as a cheap one seventy k player. You're still sticking well. with Sturt. I uh, just I, I, there's getting to the point where while yes there are some rookies, um, I'm going to be switching him out with uh, Connor Buderick, I think who is my utility at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Then. Um, so Connor Buderick will be the one who comes on, and he probably plays on the field instead of Ben Davis. But I like having the DPP player in your um, utility position rather than just straight up forward or midfielder or defender. <clears throat> Interesting. All right, so of your guys, Devin Smith, I like. Um, and this is where he should be. <laughs> um, so I won't argue that one. Yes. Um, Jacob Dawson, I've got. Uh, Hugh Greenwood, I've got. Christian Petrarca, I've got. Um, Jordan Dawson, by the way. I think Jacob Dawson is yes, the Gold sorry, Coast one. Gold Do Coast. not get Jacob Dawson, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. No, no. Uh, sorry, my bad. So Dawson, Greenwood, Petrarca, I've got... I like all of those guys as mid-prices this year. I think they're all going to have good roles. They're going to score well. Um, I think they're they're actually going to make you a bit of money and you can potentially use them as stepping stones. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll move on from there. Ben Davis. <clears throat> um, so I liked what I saw from him in the preseason. I'm not sure he's going to be the type of player to get enough ball to actually be a worthwhile cash cow. Mm-hmm. Because that's what he's in there for, right? Yep. I don't think he's going to make enough money to really do that. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I've 
gone with Jacob Townsend instead, mm-hmm. based on the fact that I think he's probably also not going to have a great role. He's probably going to be a lockdown forward, but I think the more mature body and the um, he may get some more, um, I guess, burst through the midfield to top his scoring up a little bit. And he's only a little bit more expensive. Um, I think he's where is he two sixty six k. So he's. He's, he's that. He's a little extra. bit overpriced rookie, but I'm going for the more mature body who might get just that little bit extra um, points per game. And there's also the discussion with Georgiatis. <laughs> like, I legitimately could have picked Georgiatis, but I think Georgiatis and Sturt, while they play, are going to score almost exactly the same. Yeah. Because um, they're going to be <clears throat> young, key, play, like key position forward much. type players. Yeah. and um, not, not even like key position size necessarily, but yeah. they'll play tall. Yeah. And. Uh, uh, but, you know, uh, Sturt has the advantage of being 170k as opposed to 232, and that's the reason <coughs> I chose him over Georgiatis. Fair enough. Um, the other people I had, I had Brander here rather than the back line like yep, you did. Um, and then I had Dusty Martin as my primo in the, the forward oh, line. So you've got Dusty. That's an interesting talking point <coughs> for me. I Dusty Martin's based on a price of 97.2. Yep. I don't think he moves anywhere from that. I don't think he goes up. I don't think he goes down. But based on that, I would rather have someone who has the ability to go either upwards mm-hmm. or you know just has that bit of improvement about them. Yeah. Um, I think you're paying for what you're getting with Dusty. Like, uh, yeah. the only, uh, even with Gaff, that was like, I legitimately think he's got a little bit of improvement this year in him to go mm-hmm. into that next level again, um, given the role change. But even that was, you know, it took me a little bit to go, right, I can justify paying that kind of money. And this is almost a similar position for... Yeah, so for Martin, I'm thinking, given the lack of true premium forwards, it's pretty much Whitfield, Dusty, and... Devon, I would probably consider. I I think Devon's the third best forward this year. So Devon Smith, I only brought into my team today, and I'd been holding off on bringing him in all year just because I don't trust his body. So if I can find a way to get him out of my team, I want to because I I just don't trust his ability to stay on the park, basically. I would rather pay a little bit more for Martian and know he's going to be best six forward at the end of the year, Mm -hmm. and he can be set and forget. Sure, he won't make money, but I don't have to worry about him. He just sits there and pumps out scores. And every now and again, he'll pump out an amazing score that'll win me a, a game. Yeah. So that's my thinking on Martin. But I, I, I get where you're coming from. And if you want to get someone who might have a bit more upside in them, then I can't argue that. I guess what I've gone with my forward line is I've tried to, I've tried to avoid true um, rookies on the field. Yeah. Because the forward, I get, I agree, there are a lot of forward rookies, and I don't think I actually told you who my bench ones were, but they're um, Isaac Rankin and Max King. Yeah, so Rankin's injured at the moment, otherwise I would have him straight on the no, field. No, he's due to come back. Oh, is he? He's then, ready to play round one. Then goodbye to Sam Sturt, and hello, Isaac Rankin. He's coming straight <laughs> in, no question. So, uh, But these guys, King, Rankin, Brander, I think they're all going to play, but none of them are going to score particularly well, just because of the role that they're going to play. Brander's probably the one most likely to score okay if he gets that wing role, which is why he's on the field ahead of the other two. Yep. But I would rather have... A premium Townsend because I think he might score and then a bunch of mid prices in my forward line rather than play rookies on the field. 
Honestly, I don't mind what I saw from ta- um, Taylor in the uh, the JLT, and I think that he. I'm happy to play him in my forward line on the field just because yeah. I think that he will do quite decently. And uh, this this is the balancing yeah, act here. Yeah. This is the balancing act. So I've got to play here. Who was your last uh, player on the field in your forward line? Uh, probably Brander. Brander. Brander so, or Townsend. Yeah. So you're playing Brander on the field there. Um, I'm probably playing. I would say t- maybe just two more rookies on the mm. field than you. However, I've got the five strong midfield plus Grundy, yep. and you're dealing with a lot of mid prices there. <clears throat> yeah. So this this strategy, I'm I'm intentionally doing something a bit different this year, to, and it could blow up in my face, or it could work amazingly. See, I thought I had a just ridiculous mid price oh, madness thing, and I I've did gone, not realize I've gone all all in this year. Oh my god, all in. Um, and my utility is actually your guy, Curtis Taylor. Curtis Taylor, yeah. So I really liked what I saw in that second Marsh game as well. But the fact that he's a an sort of enigmatic marking small medium forward playing for the Kangaroos means I don't want him to start on my field. I think he'll have good weeks and I think he'll go up in money, but I'm not confident on starting him. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I think the main thing to keep in mind, obviously, with these teams is make sure to keep an eye on the teams list when they come out. So I think we'll be expecting some of those tomorrow and obviously for the standard Thursday drop. Um, we won't have all of the teams prior to the Carlton-Richmond lockouts, but you'll at least know some of those players. And realistically, you're probably not looking at many from either of those teams anyway. It's Crips you're, you're or Dusty, really. Crips, Dusty, and there's there's not too too many rookies. Everyone's too expensive. Uh, Richmond, in particular, we know is not a fantasy team. Yep. Um, and yeah. And, and Hooley has gone down with a calf injury. He's the only one who might have been in some salary cap teams as a defender. A little bit of interest for Jaden Short, but yeah, I think true. not so much for salary cap leagues. He's more a draft guy. I He's think, definitely yeah. a draft. So your drafts already would have happened. He would have been very, very handy in drafts. He's mm. 522k in salary cap. I think that's just too expensive given that you know Houston is only 70k more expensive and he's going to be a mid. Uh, Doherty's only 40k more expensive. Robertson's bloody 200k cheaper. Brody Smith's cheaper. He's yeah, the one Bro- who maybe you might... No, no, no Brody, oh, he actually, Brody, Brody no, Smith's more expensive. Hun- Brody Smith's 120 more expensive. If so you, I might go short over Brody Smith. I would, I'm still sticking with Brody because I don't think... I think short will average maybe 80 um, with that new position, maybe 80. Uh, mm. But I think Brody Smith is a... If he plays it's that probably role... probably an extra 10 points he's, at least. He's probably like 95-ish. Yeah. Uh, I'm sort of four. thinking short could go 80 to 85... Brody Smith is probably 90 to 95. So yep. probably, get, call it a 10-point yep. increase. 10-point advantage plus the added benefit of, I think Brody Smith will be a top-six defender at the end of the year, so it means yeah. a set-and-forget player. And that's one less thing that you need to do in a shorter season. True. Um, so... Make sure to keep all that in mind when you're building your team. Hopefully, we've helped you out a little bit with some of our suggestions and some of our arguments here. Yes. Um, I'll make sure to post both of our teams as they stand at the moment on Twitter for you guys to have a look at. Um, but if you do have any questions in the meantime, you know whether it be about your salary cap team, who you should bring in, who you should leave out, or even the auction draft like we spoke about a little bit earlier, make sure to get a hold of us on Twitter at ExtendedBenchAU. Uh, you can always reach us there and we're always happy to help out. Uh, but I think we're going to leave it there for tonight. So thanks again for joining me, Matt. Absolutely. Fingers crossed that in two days' time oh, mate, touch we have wood, a game. Just, just bloody every, you know, throw soul over the shoulder. I don't know what the hell else superstitious people do, but please just do everything because we want to get even at least a few rounds Even if it's season. just one round, I just need to watch some football. Oh, God. I'm just, I've been waiting for it. 
I've been craving it, and I just don't want them to take it away from me at the last minute. So we're all playing, praying for some footy, and we're praying here that you guys have a great fantasy footy season, a great start to the season at the very least. We'll catch you next time. Yeah.